This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Uh, what do we got today, Tommy? Well, today we're going to look at some famous or infamous, however you want to call it, assassinations that occurred in world history. So we're looking at murders of presidents, prime ministers, kings, look at like, you know, nine, ten of these infamous assassinations. We are going to stick to the more the political aspect in assassinations. So we're not going to talk about assassinations of like famous actors or whatever. It's just kind of strictly political assassinations that ultimately kind of changed the region or the world in some instances or the nation's future, so on and so forth. Uh, the tricky thing about this is that we've done quite a few podcasts on various assassinations. So you know, I kind of don't want us to repeat ourselves here. So I'm going to try my best to not mention some of the ones we've already done. But it is difficult because some of the ones that are on this list or any list of infamous political assassinations are political leaders in a sense of American presidents. And I know if you guys listen back, we actually recorded the American president's assassinations years ago now because we've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, we've been here for a while. Um, so I guess we can mention them just because I yeah. know if we don't, we're going to get emails being like, why yes. didn't you mention JFK? So obviously we'll talk about it briefly, but we won't go into as much detail as we have in the past. We're just, you know, Go to the archives. They're all in the archives. That's right. What I'm going to try to do is I'm going to see if we could get to 10. I mean, that, that's our goal, right? Our goal is to get to 10. If not, I do have a few that are failed political assassinations that I think would have changed the course of history. We could always supplement those at the end to fill out our 10. But the very first political assassination that I think should be mentioned, and, and again, a lot of these might seem to be very recent, but this one is not, right? So I'm talking about the assassination of Julius Caesar, a pivotal event in Roman history. Um, it occurred on March 15th, 44 BCE. So where we're going really far back. The actual causes of Caesar's assassinations are very complex. I mean, they're rooted in political, social, personal even factors, right, when you get to Brutus. So Rome was experiencing a period of political unrest and instability prior to the assassination of Julius Caesar. There's a lot of factionalism, infighting, so on and so forth. Caesar, however, is a military genius, very popular general. Everyone knows this. Uh, he rises to power. When he returns to Rome, from all his wars and conquests with the loyal army, his influence is very much overshadows traditional uh, Republican institutions. There is a fear now that he's becoming too powerful, right? His increasingly like, autocratic reign threatens the Republic. Uh, he winds up bypassing the Senate on important matters. He controls the Treasury. And he earns, obviously, the personal loyalty of his army that basically pledged to do anything for him. And he pledges to give his retiring soldiers property from any public lands. He's becoming way too powerful. And then when in 44 BC, Caesar proclaimed himself dictator for life, that was pretty much the end of almost more or less his life. There's like a faction of senators in Rome that call themselves the liberators. And they're basically like, all right, this guy is going to destroy a Roman Republic, which is what we're known for. We're known for this Republican form of government. And this dictator is taking too much power. So on March 15th, 44, Caesar is stabbed by his conspirators while he's in a Senate uh, 23 times, right? And they thought that they were like the saviors of liberty and democracy. What ends up happening is by assassinating him, they usher a civil war in the Roman Empire and more or less actually wind up bringing about the rise of Octavian, a, an even more powerful emperor. Yeah. And, you know and, what the mean? Emperors like, that, and the emperors that come after him. It's not definitely an assassination that gave the Roman Republic. It changed the Roman yeah. Republic into a dictatorship. A lot of these other political assassinations are much more, like much closer 
to our modern times. Well, most of them and are 1865 on. Let's get a couple mentions here that we did cover in a different podcast if you guys want to, but we have to cover here. There's really three presidential assassinations in United States history that I feel like need to be mentioned here. Well, we talk about 1865, so that's got to yeah. be Lincoln. Yep, I was talking so about Lincoln. Lincoln. Right, 16th president of the United States fighting to preserve the union, the civil war, right? Emancipation of the slaves, right? There's a great book called April 1865. I think the History Channel even did a special- They did a documentary on it. Yeah, but I read the book. Yeah, the book is, yeah, the book is, it's a good book. But it kind of chronicles all the things going on in April 1865 in the United States. And it wasn't just the assassination of Lincoln. It was all these other things. But Lincoln was excited to be president of the whole United States again. That's something interesting to know about Lincoln. He was never president of all the states at once. This is yep. some of those like little tidbits of history. Goes to Ford Theater, gets assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. Part of a larger conspiracy, right? We talk about that in the podcast. It wasn't just Lincoln that was attacked that night. He was just the only one that was actually killed that, from the injuries. Like, what would you argue, Pete? Like, his assassination does... I think the only me- thing it changes... I, I, honestly, I think the only thing his assassination changes is his own personal legacy. Well, because- his legacy. But when then Johnson becomes president, and that does a lot. But I think a lot of... A lot of legislation gets passed because Lincoln was assassinated. Yeah, because he's a martyr. We'll see, yeah, we'll, I, we'll I, see I that. With, we'll see that with Kennedy also, like that. Yeah. A lot of their legislation that was very hard for them, maybe could have been more difficult to get passed. But that Lincoln, but Lincoln gets a lot of those amendments passed. Right, the 14th, 15th, and 16th amendments really those get passed because of Lincoln's assassination. You can make that argument. I think it was the whole martyr aspect of it, of like do it for yeah. Lincoln. You know, yeah, and he obviously um, becomes a much larger symbol. This icon. Because he's assassinated. The other presidency here that should be mentioned again, slightly in brief in context of this podcast, I think is the assassination of President William McKinley in 1901 in Buffalo, New York. Turn of 20th century, United States faces economic challenges, labor strikes, disparities in wealth, so on and so forth. McKinley's administration is seen very much as pro-business, and a lot of segments of the population are very dissatisfied with the economic conditions. So they kind of blame President McKinley as being pro-wealthy, pro-business. Expansionist policies was another thing of contention here. Right? McKinley's administration pursued a foreign policy that becomes known in American textbooks as imperialism. Um, we're talking about acquiring territories, Philippines, Puerto Rico, Guam's. There's also a lot of social unrest, rise of labor movements, socialists, and a lot of anarchist ideologies. And this is kind of what becomes important here. So the actual assassin, Leon Cholgosh, and he's an anarchist. So he believes in overthrowing the existing political system. And so McKinley as like a symbol of oppression of the poor working classes. So at the Pan-American Exposition on September 6, 1901, President McKinley is just standing there and shaking hands by the thousands, really. And then at one point, he is shot twice by Chalgosh, who conceals a revolver. Was it like a handkerchief or was it? A handkerchief, yeah, because it was a hot day. It was in September yeah. of 1801, so it was a really warm day. And you know, even though you see those old pictures, everyone's still dressed to the nines. They're still wearing their suits and stuff it's like crazy. that. But they would have like handkerchiefs on. They would like wipe the sweat off their face, lips and stuff like that. Yeah. And he just had a, his um, ivory Johnson revolver hidden there. And then he shakes the president's hand and then shoots him. Boom. Yeah. So he winds up not really getting too far. I mean, if you guys listen to our podcast on this, he winds up being tackled fairly quickly. Well, he gets um, beaten. They beat the, he gets they beat really, the yeah, yeah, yeah. They beat the hell out of him. He's beaten unconscious by a mob. They threaten to lynch him right there. Prison guards actually have to come in and take him away. So what winds up happening here? Why is this important? Well, it's who the vice president is. Exactly. Which is Teddy Roosevelt. So his death ushers in Roosevelt. Remember, Roosevelt only became a vice president 
they put him as a vice president just to kind of shut him up because yeah. they were like, oh, he'll be vice president. He'll have no power. But then McKinley gets shot. Now Teddy Roosevelt's president. And that changes a lot of things, as we know. After this, when you start thinking of other assassinations, I'm, I'm trying to more or less go in order, but... Well, we, we have know. to, if we're going to do the American ones, well, there's some other presidents that got shot. But I guess the, most, the infamous one that everyone's going to yes. know if we don't do, they be like, how do we skip this one? It's obviously JFK, right? Being assassinated yeah. by Lee Harvey Oswald. Time, you know, the youngest man, the first Roman Catholic ever elected president of the United States. JFK is killed. It's kind of like also the killing a lot of people say of like, this like hopefulness that was happening in the country at the time because he was such a young president, right? Camelot, there's a famous picture, right, of him at his desk with JFK Jr. underneath, right? You know, he's one of us. They really did a great job of portraying him as a people's politician. Once you could argue off his policies were when he's killed November 22nd, 1963, that's going to change a lot of, that's going to change a lot of stuff. Obviously, you could have some pros people can argue is a lot of the civil rights legislation that Johnson later passes is because of JFK. It's because of his assassination, because they want to honor that legacy of JFK. But you can make the same argument that Vietnam probably would not have happened the way it did if JFK lives. That argument yes. is also out there, too, with a lot of from just from some documents that they have from JFK when he said we should never get involved in a war in Southeast Asia. This is not going to be a good idea. So this is a whole bunch of... Um, Cause and effect kind of thing. Cause and effect there. Some negative, some some positive, some negative. Um, And there's just so much information coming out with that, even now. I mean, the anniversary is coming up too. We're filming this in the middle of November. In a few, in two two weeks, it's going to be in the anniversary of of that assassin of the assassination again. Oh yeah, because it was so, sixty three, right? Yeah. So, so there's so oh, much wow. inform there's so much information coming out about it that's being declassified that. You know, more and more information to come out. There are podcasts just on the JFK assassination. I'm sure you're going to turn on November 22nd around that time. You're going to turn on History Channel or any Discovery Channel, Nat Geo. There's going to be a ton of specials and stuff like that. We're not going to get into Oswald did it by himself, what happened with that, all that stuff on this one. We did talk about it when we did the Kennedy's curse, I believe. When I was at Dealey Plaza, right, a couple of years ago. You were looking and, for and, something the FBI couldn't find? Did you find anything? No, but like you when you're- the umbre- look- Did you find the umbrella man on the grass, you know? Very funny. But you know what's crazy? Like if that car was going slow and like you're standing by that window, I mean, it's kind of blocked off, but you're standing at the window like right there. It's a possible shot. Again, we're not here to discuss that, but I just want to throw yeah. that out there. Like they, they anyone that's been that. to the museum- Yeah. It's possible if you've been to the museum. They, they, they've proved that. They've they, they've they've proved that it is possible. And Oswald didn't know how to shoot a rifle. Yeah. So they oh, highly likely. It, it's he could. That doesn't mean he acted by himself. Doesn't mean he acted alone. There's so many other dominoes that could be there. But that part of it is actually true. And isn't that isn't a spot actually marked like with an X on the yeah, ground? There's an X on, on it. And a bunch of dumb butts try to run out in because it's an actual busy intersection. It's a highway. Road. Yeah. They try to run out to take a picture by the ex. I'm like sitting there watching this, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Um, but hey, why there not? There you go. There you go. Uh, well, this why not? One, you get hit by a car. That's why not. Yeah, right. I mean, we cannot have a list of political assassinations that changed the world without this one, and that is the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. He was the heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne. He is assassinated on June 28th, 1914, while he's in Sarajevo, Bosnia, yeah. and this is the key event. The political assassination that triggers the outbreak of World War One. Yeah, it's right? a spark. It's you always see it as that in all the history books, right? There's like kind of says that powder keg of Europe, right? Think of like the old yeah. Wiley Coyote cartoons with a just be a big wooden barrel full of gunpowder, and there's like that fuse 
coming through it. And it's a spark that ignites that fuse is the Archduke's assassination, because that's when all these secret alliances, all the militarism, all the anger and just the building up that was happening in the, the late 1800s, early 1900s kind of comes to a head now because now Austria and Serbia are going to go to war and they have their alliances with Russia and Germany. And here you go, brings in everybody else. Yep. The Balkan region is considered a powder keg here, and you have this mix of ethnic tensions and nationalist aspirations. And Austria-Hungary winds up annexing Bosnia in 1908, which is one of the smaller Slavic nations in the Balkans. And this angers Serbia because Serbia uh, kind of considered themselves like the big dog uh, nation in the Balkans, the one that like was one of the first ones to gain its independence from the major empires. And Serbia thought it was going to like lead the way in the Balkans for for the unification of all these other little lands away from the empires. And when Austria-Hungary annexes Bosnia, this really angers Serbia, right, ultimately. But particularly, it also angers a very nationalist Serbian group, uh, which is known as the Black Hand. And the Black Hand is like, when I say ultra-nationalist Serbian organization, it's basically like a quasi-terrorist organization. And they have had, the Black Hand, had numerous previous unsuccessful attempts at you know the lives of Austro-Hungarian officials. So it wasn't just Archduke Franz Ferdinand. They've been trying to like kill Austro-Hungarians. So Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife, Sophie, are visiting Sarajevo, this land that Austro-Hungary has annexed. Actually, it was an anniversary of the Battle of Kosovo of 1389, which is like symbolically charged right, for the Serb nationalists. Yeah, it's a big, important day in them. Mm-hmm. Right. So Gavrilo Princip, um, who was a member of the Black Hand, assassinates the Archduke. Well, but, it wasn't even the only assassination attempt that day on them. Man. Which, is the, which is the crazy thing, right? Well, there was also a grenade thrown at the car, yep. which goes off, they survive, and it kills other individuals. Doesn't It doesn't kill the exactly. Archduke. And you figured something like that happened, they would like rush them away. But he's like, no, no, I want to still finish the trade route. And yeah. apparently what happens, I think we did talk about this in like the podcast uh, previous on World War I, one, on World War I, was that Princip was like, he's like, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to get to them now. But they take a different route. And on the way, going back to his apartment, he stops to get food. They say a hot dog, but it wasn't obviously a hot dog. It didn't have those. Yeah, I don't think it was a but hot dog. Maybe like a sausage or something like that. But they, the article is like how a hot dog started World War One. And he actually stops, and while he's eating this hot this sausage, he's looking like between the roads, and he sees down the alley the parade, the procession, basically with the archer who's going to be there. So he like just runs over there, waits, and then when it comes, he shoots the the archduke and the duchess. He says he wasn't aiming at the duchess. Yeah. That one he he regretted. Yeah. <laughs> he was aiming for the um the general, one of the military governors of Bosnia, Bosnia, um, yeah. but he missed him. And wound up shooting the um, the Archduke and the Duchess and kills both of them. And that's going to be this spark for World yeah, War so, I, basically. So it definitely has ripple effects. Because what well, like you said before, so ushers in the biggest war the world's ever seen at that moment. And then that affects the biggest war the world's ever seen 20 years after that. First of all, if someone throws a grenade at your car, misses, hits the car in front of you, yeah, that car blows of, up and people yeah. like died, right? Killed. Why would you say, all right, no, let's continue with this planned event at yeah. City Hall. Keep yeah. on driving. My right? plan like, would be like, cut my losses and get out of there. Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> Meanwhile, he doesn't. He's like, yeah, no, no, let's just take a different route. And boom, right? Princip comes in. When he shoots him, he shoots him in the neck and he winds up striking Sophie's abdomen, right? And w- once he shoots both of them, at one point, 
before they die, the Archduke actually leans over. He's dying, and he leans over to Sophie, and he's like, "Sophie, Sophie, don't die! Like, stay alive for our children." Uh, but that's the last thing he says within you know a minute. But they both die. Princip was 19 years old, and he was like a Serbian army reject, and he winds up admitting to killing Ferdinand. But he does, like you said, say that he did not mean to hit Sophie at all. That was a mistake, he said. So because he was three weeks too young for the death penalty, yeah. he is given a 20-year sentence. And then once he goes in, though, he contracts tuberculosis and dies in jail in April of 1918. I think he loses one of his arms before that, right? And then here we go. Yep. And here we go. 16 million people died during that conflict. His assassination did have ripple effects. 100%. The one that is very close to this, because if we go chronologically, is actually the assassination of Tsar Nicholas II in Russia and on his entire family, really. Tsar Nicholas II winds up bringing Russia into World War I. Russia at the time is extremely poor, not industrialized. 90% of people are in agriculture. His subjects are basically like, why are you doing this? But he continues through this war and it gets so bad because Russia is losing so many people in this conflict. Actually, there's literally not enough food. There's like bread riots. After it's drawn into World War I, Russia has the largest number of deaths in the whole war, right? Over 1.8 million military deaths and about another 1.5 civilian deaths. Nicholas is losing control, so he is forced to abdicate. And after months of plotting, the Romanov family is finally assassinated by the Bolshevik captors. So July 17, 1918, they are awoken and told to get ready for another move. And they're kind of hoping to escape. Women wind up packing their things and clothing, and they're like, okay, maybe we could like still get out of here. But then the captors turn on them and start attacking them, like bullets, then butts of guns, bayonets, heels, fists, you name it. And this is where it gets a little gruesome. Like, if, you know, if, if we have trigger warnings, this would be the trigger warning at this point. The Bolsheviks are very specific in how they destroy these bodies. Uh, Russia's last monarch, Tsar II, his wife Alexandra, and the five children. They're buried in a grave, and, which is not found until after Soviet Union falls. Bodies are mutilated. They wind up being covered with acid. So that way there's nothing left of their evidence that they were there because the Bolsheviks were still lying to the people like, oh, they're they're locked up somewhere under house arrest. Yeah, there so, were still some people that wanted them alive. Exactly. Just so to they, keep the royal, royal lineage. Even though he was not popular, I believe his wife and the children were popular still. In yeah. The, and plus you kill plus children, children, you're not, you're not yeah. sure how that's going to go over. Yeah. So what up? they cover the bodies in acid, burn, then bury. Then they wind up putting a mine. Thought the mine nearby was going to bury the bodies, but it actually kicks some of them up. So they're like, all right, let's let's dig up another shallow grave. And two of the children, Maria and Alexei, I think, are actually not found. So they wind up being buried in a separate grave nearby. Well, supposedly their bodies were found like 10 years ago. And they're all um, returned to Russia. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're like buried in Russia. But Important, uh, mainly because this solidified the new Soviet Union, Lenin's grasp on uh, Russia, which became Soviet Union and lasted until 1991 through what we know as a Cold War. So, again, there's a lot of conspiracies with this of how they died and what happened to them. And based on the bones that were found, they said it was definitely like these these guys did not die peacefully at all. No, like no, these, it, was, it was brutal, like you said, and none of them survived. I know that was always a thing that Anastasia, Anastasia survived. Yeah. I think they even made like, not a Disney movie, but some movie about it, like a talking bat or something like that. That didn't happen. No. <laughs> none of that stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, she was killed as well. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, 
we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. The next one, like kind of again chronologically, it would have to be Gandhi. Yes. Um, shocked the world, right? So Gandhi, spiritual leader known as the great soul of India, uh, definitely champion of the Indian movement for independence. Uh, he's assassinated on January 30th, 1948. He was 78 years old and he's gone down in New Delhi during a prayer v- a vigil. And he's assassinated by a Hindu extremist that thought that Gandhi was too nice to Muslims. And Gandhi's whole thing was Muslims and Hindus together, world peace, nonviolence. And this Hindu extremist is like, no, you shouldn't be this nice to Muslims. The peace between Hindus and Muslims, he's the one that kind of really pushed for it. Uh, and he traveled to New Delhi participating in, like I said, his, this fasting uh, vigils and prayer meetings. And he's really trying to bring the Hindus and Muslims together. He's walking with his granddaughters. Yeah. On right? January 30th. Yeah. And he's yep. basically walk. I'm sorry to interrupt you. But no, he's go, basically go, go, walking, go. walking there. And then Gatsi came over and shot him three times, point blank range, as he was making his way through the guard, through the guard of a private residence. He was a little late going to, I believe, the, the prayer service. Yep. And he was so he was escorted by his daughters and he was greeting members of the household on his way when the, when the shots rang out. They believe he died instantly because he was shot right in the abdomen and he was older gentleman at the time. Um, Gandhi was immediately arrested. He noted that he uh, bowed to Gandhi and wished him well before he opened fire. He, he did. Said, he yeah. actually walked up and like bowed and shot him three times. He just didn't like what Gandhi was doing. He said he didn't do enough in the Indian parliament. I don't know if that's a show of respect or what. Or why you would bat at someone and then shoot him three times in the abdomen. But well, even when he was captured, he's captured happens. by the crowd, right? He's captured by the crowd yeah, right away. Instant, instantly. And Gandhi was such a beloved figure. Yeah. Yep. And he's like, for the president, I only want to say that I'm not at all sorry for what I've just done. The rest I will explain in court. Like he says this right away. The actual trial takes about five hours. There's 30,000 awards statement and confession that is read by him. And he, you know, he says that it was exclusively political. And he said that Gandhi was responsible for the suffering of the Hindu people. He was 39. He received a death sentence and was hanged on November 15th, 1949. Global reaction, though. I mean, like. This is Gandhi we're talking about. Well, there was outcry because he was such a loved leader, not just in India, but also around the world. He had a lot of respect. That's why there was even some protests when they decided to um, hang this guy. The assassins are like, well, Gandhi wouldn't have wanted that. And since we're since we're in India, I think it's also important to note that after India, you know, we have the separation of India and Pakistan. Decades later, October 31st of 1984, Indira Gandhi, no relation whatsoever, 
She's the prime minister of India. It's assassinated in New Delhi by her own bodyguards. They're emptied her guns into Gandhi as she walks to her office, right? She is the daughter of the first ever prime minister of India. She rises to power in 1966. She oversees India's victory over Pakistan in 71, but winds up being thrown out of office in 1977 because... She winds up declaring a state of emergency in 75, and she suspends civil liberties, jails her political opponents, and people kind of criticized her for being too authoritarian. But she's like, I need to do this in order to be able to put forth all these social programs I want to do to kind of quell the unrest. In 1980, Gandhi becomes prime minister again, and this time she's very popular. However, in 1984, she winds up ordering an army raid. Yeah, Sikh separatists. Um, there's a lot of the Sikh separatists in um, Punjabi. They wanted yeah. to basically have an autonomous state. So she orders an army attack in June of 84 on their holiest shrine, yeah. the um, Hammurabi Sahib, basically known as the Golden Temple. And it led to the deaths of like 450 Sikhs. Yeah. And then five months later, um, while she was in her garden, her Sikh their bodyguards- This is a crazy thing. Well, they, because- yeah, but they were Sikhs. So they, oh, they yeah. wanted revenge for the attack on the Golden Temple. And they just opened fire on her. What's crazy about this part is that the second that she orders this attack, this raid on the temple in Punjab, right away, the government around her is like, okay, we need to take your bodyguards and transfer them somewhere else because they're known Sikh, not extremists, but they're religionists, they're Sikhs. So we need to move them out. And she's the one, Gandhi's like, no, 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 let's rescind this transfer. Like, I trust my bodyguards. They can stay. I've had them for many years. And that was a mistake. Because they're the ones that wind up killing her. Killing her. Um, which, you know, Gandhi's assassination, riots break out in New Delhi, thousand innocent lives. And really, because of the fact that Sikhs wind up killing her, you now have attacks on the Sikh community. So, yeah, it leads to more violence. Yeah, you have her. one of her sons winds up getting killed. You have a lot of other back and forth killed, really up until the late 90s. It really leaves India in a lot of t- political turmoil for a good 15, 20 years after the fact. I feel like we need to mention Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, yeah, we can't do cool. right. He wasn't a political. Well, he was a political leader. Was, was I would a say he was a political civil rights leader. Yeah, he didn't hold any office. That is but true. But obviously, but he did have. I would say he was, without a doubt. Who knows what would have happened though if he, did, he wasn't assassinated? Maybe he could have held political office. I that is know. very if he, very if true. he wanted if he wanted to. You know, for this one, just like with the presidents, you guys can go back and listen to our podcast just on his assassination. It's somewhere in the archives. But Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee on April 4th of 1968. He's a Baptist minister, obviously we know this, founder of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the face of the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. Absolutely. Now, there was a lot of African-Americans, particularly in the North, that blamed Martin Luther King for the fact that, yes, he helped end segregation, but it didn't help people in the North where there was no the jury segregation. So they're like, well, you didn't really help us and we're poor over here. So there's this de facto segregation of social class segregation in the North. So King winds up jumpstarting this new movement. You know, it was against poverty movement. This time it was not about segregation anymore. This was about ending poverty and socioeconomic inequality and injustice. And this kind of put a lot of fear in a lot of uh, people because of the fact that he's no longer talking about just black poverty. He's talking about poverty. And now this is a guy that was able to mobilize so many people behind his cause in the past that it's almost fearful that he could literally start an uprising or revolution of the poor classes, regardless of the races. And then it doesn't help the fact that he's also speaking out against the Vietnam War 
publicly, while the federal government is really trying to push that agenda on the American people. So it's so many conspiracies, just like with JFK, you have so many conspiracies as to what happened here. And again, you could listen to our podcast on it, but we do know who shot him. He's standing on a second floor of balcony in a motel in Memphis. He winds up getting shot. He's pronounced dead about an hour later. He was only 39 years old. The guy that shot him was James Earl Earl Ray. James Earl Ray, yeah. And he's kind of seen running away, and they find his fingerprints on a rifle that was used to kill King. Like, scope pair of binoculars are found on him. Like, everything is pretty much said that this guy did it. He pleads guilty initially in 69, sentenced to 99-year prison sentence. But then later on, he's like, I didn't really do this. He, he recanted. He actually escapes prison for a couple yeah. hours. Um, there are actually members of the King family that believe that he, that he is innocent. That is part of the conspiracy. Yeah. So they, again, there's a lot of information on that. That's a podcast for a different day. I'm sure there's a whole bunch out there. And we always yeah. say that. And, you know, so his murder, just like the killing of um, Malcolm X in 65, definitely radicalized many moderate African-American activists. Uh, it also fueled the growth of an already existing Black Power movement in the Black Panther Party um, in the late 60s and early 70s. King still to this day remains probably the most known African-American leader in the civil rights movement. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I would right? say that. Without, uh, without a doubt. I say so, we pivot to the Middle East. Uh, there's two from the Middle East I really yeah. want to focus on that yeah. have ramifications and kind of topical with uh, everything that's going on there today. Sort of one of the first ones would be Anwar Sadat which um, was the president of Egypt. I think we talked about our Yom Kippur War. Yeah, we did, yeah, briefly. We, we mentioned him briefly. He was the president of Egypt. And he was assassinated on October 6, 1981, actually during a military parade in Cairo. Uh, and the assassination was carried out by members of the Egyptian Islamic Jihad who opposed Sadat because he was trying to establish a peace with Israel and support kind of a secular government. So he was hit with a, with a hail of bullets, and they said he died just a few minutes after his injuries. And his attackers were all arrested and later executed. But his death kind of really impacted that region a lot because it he had a lot of de- deterioration in relations. At that point between Egypt and Israel, had a lot of rise in fundamentalism in the area. His legacy is kind of that he did try to take bold steps to achieve peace. But because he took those bold steps, he was assassinated. Also kind of like a warning to other people. If you take these things, look what could happen to you. You can wind up being assassinated because it's just like a few years later, you have... The Israeli Prime Minister. The Israeli Prime Minister, yeah. Rabin. And this is in 1995. And we were young. I vaguely remember this one a little bit. And he was actually the Prime Minister twice in 1974 and 1992. Mm -hmm. And he really campaigned on a Israeli-Palestinian peace negotiations. He actually um, signed the Oslo Accords, which was intended to settle the Israeli-Palestinian disputes. But on November 4, 1995, he was actually killed by a right-wing Jewish militant named uh, Yigal Amir. And they basically killed him because he was trying to make Well, he's trying to create peace with the Palestinians. With the Palestinians, I mean, yeah. 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 And, and a lot of Israelis at the time and are just like there are a lot of Palestinians. They didn't want peace. Like, How dare you do that? He was killed. And the ramifications are there's been no real agreement between the two countries since his death. So since 1995, yeah. there's been like ceasefires. There's been... But there's never really been like political negotiations between the two, mainly because uh, political parties on both sides have become more extreme since then. But uh, so they're seeing kind of many people see his killing as kind of the end of the PC envision and so forth. So it makes it really a major political assassination because his death was also the death of the Oslo Accords for the most part yeah. and any further peace that could come from, from it. That hey, leads directly into what happens, what's going on in now. the Middle yeah. East area now, yeah, in Gaza. 
He wound up getting the Nobel Peace Prize, actually, just a year before being assassinated for trying to create peace with the Palestinians. Yeah, I mean, very relevant. If that's not relevant, I don't know what is. You know, I want to finish up with a couple political assassinations that have failed, that could have totally changed history. I'm just going to give three. So Operation Valkyrie, 1944. This this is the German plot to assassinate Adolf Hitler. Did you hear a new conspiracy with that, though? I don't know if it's new. That it was successful, that it did kill Hitler. And they just use a body double for the rest of the war? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. But that's what the argument is. Really? I didn't hear that one. Yeah, it's 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 uh there's a new book about it. That says yeah, that I think I would buy that. Said, that says it was successful. And they use like, you know, the fact that Hitler looks different later on and his Parkinson's gets worse. He was injured from the blast, but Yeah, so Colonel um Stauffenberg uh, yeah. winds up placing a briefcase containing a bomb in a conference room where Hitler was having a meeting. You guys can watch the Tom Cruise movie, it's there. The problem is that one of the attendees that was there was like, what's this? Like he kicked it by accident. He's like, what's this briefcase? And he like moves it out of the way, not knowing like that it's a solid wood bomb. table. And he moved it to the other side of the table. Yeah. So really just a couple of feet away, but because he moved a couple of feet away and the table was like oak or whatever it was, it was thick. It was a heavy table. So when the explosion goes off, a lot of the explosion gets absorbed by this table. Hitler's injured. Other people, I believe, do die. In the oh, they're not. Yeah, there's right? German officials that yeah, die here. That yeah. die. And Hitler is severely injured. And Stauffenberger actually believes at first that Hitler is dead. He believes that it's successful. Yeah. But him and his accomplices all get caught pretty quickly after that. So that's the one what if political assassination could have changed. The other one I have is killing the Bill Moose in 1912. I mean, this is infamous. Um, Teddy Roosevelt already served two terms as president. But in 1912, he's like, you know what? I'm running again. And this shocks President Taft, who's the current Republican president. And Teddy's a a Republican as well. So for the first time ever in American politics, a sitting president has to actually campaign to keep his own party's nomination. And he's like embarrassed by this Taft. He's like, why is Teddy doing this? And Teddy's like, well, you didn't follow my footsteps the right way. But Teddy winds up losing the Republican ticket. So he's like, screw this. I'm starting my own party. And he starts the Progressive Party, also known as the Bull Moose Party. This is very famous. He is preparing to deliver a speech. Uh, he's in Milwaukee. Uh, while he's giving a speech, this one guy, um, a saloon keeper, right, was having like none of this. And he's just like, forget this whole like third party candidate stuff. This guy's abusing his power. So the saloon keeper comes out and shoots the president or former president in a chest at point blank range. And the bullet passes through Roosevelt's steel eyeglass case and this lengthy speech that was about 50 pages and it lodges itself in the muscle of his chest. And as the story goes, um, everyone's like, Oh no. Um, they think he's going to die. Cause he's literally bleeding through his chest, yeah. but he's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm here to give a speech. He finishes his speech. Yeah. Imagine yes. if that was today, that'd be all over Twitter. Oh my God. Yeah. Or Not- Instagram. <laughs> right. He spoke for 90 minutes. And and he said at one point, he goes, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know whether you fully understand that I have just been shot, but it takes more than that to kill a bull moose. I mean, that's a good showing. That's a good speech. He doesn't win the presidency. Surprising. (laughs) I kind of, yeah, I was a little surprised. But you know what? He's the reason we have Woodrow Wilson. Because he's, he yes. split the Republican ticket. Woodrow Wilson yeah, wasn't yeah. going to win that presidency. So that kind of changes things, I would say, because Woodrow Wilson, World War One, all this other good stuff. Yeah. 
The last one that could have happened was the assassination of Napoleon Bonaparte. The idea was to fill like a large wine cask with gunpowder and detonate it as Napoleon's carriage passed by. This was on Christmas Eve in 1800, and the conspirators kind of like got their chance, but the timing was off. So the bomb winds up killing innocent bystanders, but Napoleon is left unharmed. And he was on his way to the opera, and he's like, well, that sucked. Like, take me to the opera. And he was cheered by the crowd when they learned that he had survived the attempt on his life. Yeah, and but someone just- like Napoleon, that just kind of gives him that, like, same thing he did with Hitler kind of gives them that like they believe that all right they survived the assassination attempt that means the fate god it's the, or whatever their destiny to continue what they're doing because well obviously my destiny is for greater things otherwise i would have died in this assassination plot but since i didn't that's that's kind of like they're like blank check now to do whatever they want so i think that pretty much uh covers uh some of them i don't know how many we have i lost count yes. but um we definitely missed some so we know we'll hear about yes. it which is yes, which is fine yes 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 uh however political assassinations are important they did um and they do alter history that's for sure so this is just a little primer you guys can always go find more uh, as tom likes to say there's probably podcasts about this absolutely <laughs> anyway guys thank you so much for tuning in we do appreciate it you can now actually find us on youtube we are officially on youtube we also are on pretty much anywhere else you listen to this podcast we are there we're also on social media make sure you guys click that like subscribe button the podcast today is actually suggested to us by one of our listeners so thank you so much for suggesting this idea and um, and topic if you need to find us, you can find us at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We are there to answer any of your questions. Thank you so much, guys, and we'll see you again next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, And I'll unpack the conspiracy theories, too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.